Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today. I know you're probably really confused because you're not seeing me right now. So uh, I'm Steve. Uh, welcome to another installment of MSP webinars. I am home today. Uh, we had a snow day. So I guess full disclosure, if you hear screaming in the background at any point or maybe in the foreground, uh, it's because my kids are home. Um, so, so that's going to be exciting. <laughs> um, but uh, we are still gonna uh, we're, we're still gonna make it happen. You know the show must go on, right? So um, we're gonna talk about back office management, and and that's what I'm calling it. But I mean, maybe you have a better name for it. We're gonna talk about managing employees, um, hiring, firing, motivating, all that type of stuff. We'll also kind of talk about uh, some other things when it comes to just kind of managing the company. Because that's what a lot of us forget to do is we, we forget to work on the company instead of for the company. Um, one of our panelists today is Ian. And uh, Ian, is, Ian is the one that's on camera right now. And we will have Shiva join us shortly. And then we also, uh, I'm going to invite Errol to join us. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring him in right now. And if anyone else would like to, to speak on this topic, I mean, don't be shy. I'm, I'm happy to grant you uh, microphone permission. You don't have to come on cam if you don't want to. Um, so, so I'm just going to, I'm just kind of, kind of dive right in. Um, Ian, you, you have your own company and uh, you have yep. had to uh, in, enjoy all of the things when it comes to managing people. The hirings, the firings, the the write-ups, and all that good stuff. Um, yeah, had to do a little bit of everything, um, both in my current life as a running my own MSP, and in my past life um, directing an IT department and having people. Um, I'm going to kind of a little bit blur some of the areas between that because a lot of the principles are the same the lessons learned are the same um it boils down to it's about the fit and the people and how you deal with them so done that whole end of the spectrum all over the place had great interviews had horrible interviews had horrible firings had <laughs> i want to say great firings i don't know if that's quite the right term but um and i've lived and learned the managing the company of yeah don't forget to focus inward proportionately as well as focusing outward because if you don't you can get yourself into quite a bit of a um backlog and, and, and how mess. many employees uh at at the at the most how many employees have you managed um at the most, I'm going to say, okay. I think it was eight that we got up to. Okay. So, um, and they were, and with the variable, not all of them were in the same city. So we had management at a distance, which was always interesting. Workers, you know, the guys that are 
uh, I wish you could see me doing the air quotes, working from home. Like, like me, like me. <laughs> Here you go. Um, so, so that's awesome, man. So I'm going to have a ton of questions for you. Guys, don't be shy. You can hop in the chat and you can ask some questions as well. Uh, up next, I will introduce Shiva, who, who literally just popped in. Um, Shiva has a company. Now, Ian, I'm sorry, you're in Canada. Yeah, so I'll if I do say anything about the law or the rules of that, keep that in mind that it may not be applicable or you and may have recall, to do some you're, exchange you're rate translation on over it. in like British Columbia somewhere near Vancouver. Pretty much, yeah. Near, near the okay. Olympics we had a few um, years ago. So, so next we're going to talk with Shiva. Now, Shiva also has, uh, I want to say you've got six employees. Oh, my. Seven employees, uh, including Shiva an admin. Shiva is on the east coast of the United States. He's over in New Jersey. So um, we're, we're going to get both coasts out of this. And we're going to get two two different countries, so that's exciting. Um, Shiva, how long have you been running your company and managing employees? Uh, Seventeen years in total. Uh, break fix exclusively up until June, July of this year. In June or July, I started looking into the MSP world, and I split my break fix off to a new company that I retained partial ownership in. Uh, so yeah, 17 years I've been managing right. people or trying to at least. Um, all right. So I'm going to try something here. Did this affect my microphone? Am I like, okay. That's better. I use that better. microphone boost. I never know how that works. Um, and then finally we have Errol. Errol, you are, you're, you're not in uh, Illinois, are you? Okay, you are in Chicago. Chicago land, so now we have a Midwestern guy. Now, now Errol, actually, uh, you have you have two employees, so you're you're going to be on the smaller spectrum, which is fine. Um, you want to tell us a little bit more about your experience with uh, management and things like that? Yeah, um, I was uh, my MS. Well, I was break fix until about a year ago. Um, six years and this is my sixth year and my employee experience was pretty good. I hired one guy who didn't work out. And then I, from that, I learned from my mistakes to specifically find someone who's not necessarily tech. Not well, of course, he's got to have tech knowledge, but he also needs to specifically deal with any industries of businesses, decision makers and administrators. And if he was good at that, he could go on site and do his job. And when I found that person, uh, it relieved me to keep growing the company. So I think it was a great idea for me to find a full-time salary person right away. So that means they can work late or come in early. I don't have to deal with the hourly and the contractual. And so now that he's working out and I'm growing the company more, the next maybe one or two employees will be the contract next. So that was uh, my experience. With Do employment. not have it's been employees. working out pretty well. And I have never had employees. Um, I've had my company for over eight years now, so um, I, I just like being small and nimble. 
All right, so uh, I'm just going to ask random questions, and whoever wants to kind of uh, whoever wants to kind of dive in and answer, feel free. And then if any of you have questions for each other, um, you know, take it away. So I guess the the first thing is, let's say I'm ready to hire someone. You know, where do I go? Like, do I just do I just pop an ad up on Craigslist or or what? So, in in our city, um, we've got Craigslist. We've got um, there's a whole bunch of used sites across Canada, um, which are kind of a local version of Craigslist as well that are a little more popular. But we also have a um, I'm going to call them the wrong term, but a tech incubator startup um, coordination, but not group that is kind of the de facto messaging board, posting board. Um, the Craigslist and the use sites are free. This board, unless you're a member of their organization, which I'll say a couple hundred bucks a year if you're a small company or something like that, um, you pay 300 bucks to do a job posting. However, it gets right in front of the eyes that you want to see it. Um, the, the challenge I've seen with Craigslist is um, with the postings on those, you get a lot of, or I've seen a lot of, um, I will come to your country, work for free, and sleep in the office to work for you. And you get a lot of white noise around the postings that come in. And it's easy enough to filter, but it's not something that I need to filter. Um, whereas posting locally, you eliminate a lot of that um, and it seems to give a much better, more focused result for what you need. So to that end, I guess it's if there's any specific organizations that are not competitive and more just collaborative or community based, I think that's probably the place to be looking um, if that's applicable in your city. My, uh, my tip with the Craigslist posting is when you have a uh, in your entire whatever you're posting for that job, hide in there somewhere in the subject line, put ABC123 to be considered for this job. And then you set up an Outlook rule that deletes all the messages that don't have that. So you can see how thoroughly people are going through looking for job postings. I think uh, that's a good idea, but <laughs> I use Craigslist and I've started using Indeed uh, as recently as yesterday since I have a position to fill. but. I tend to read through their resume and see what they do to try to judge them on that as opposed to how it's presented to me because some people may have zero clue on how to apply to a job, but they may be perfect for what you're looking for them to do. So I tend to give them a little more uh, breath on the search side. I'll, I'll take Errol's one further and just say that when I have a when I have posted, I've put comments in there similar, but it hasn't been the ABC. It's been, please ensure when you apply, you submit your resume in PDF format. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's a very simple, like even when it was a um, help desk coordinator with minimal IT experience required, I'm going, if you can't generate a PDF and you're, bet 
generally stereotyping for that, you're going to be between the 20 to 35 year range. Um, you should be able to generate a PDF. So did you read it? Did you go to the effort of downloading a free PDF generator or save it or print to PDF on a Mac, whatever, I don't care. Um, but it just, it's that same sort of thing. It's that step to make sure that they've read it. Oh, following directions. <laughs> uh, now, now you said something about a barbecue to me in private, Ian. Oh, yeah. So um, I actually named it something else before I read an article on it. Um, I'm actually going to put the article in Slack to you, Steve. It's just coming in as a DM in Slack. So when I was hiring employees and we got up to eight, the first two employees I had, and I have to be careful how I say this because this is going to end up on YouTube and things. The first two employees I had didn't quite fit the mold that I was looking for. I was hiring <laughs> to... I was hiring uh, to... Um, fill a specific goal of relieving my role from having to run around and be everything to everybody at every moment in time. I was hiring a level one, level one and a half, maybe some level two in there. And it was a matter of, I needed somebody now. I need somebody now. Hey, I got five people through. This person looks good. Just hire them. And what I ended up doing, the first person lasted three weeks, two, three weeks. They were actually a contractor kind of representing as an employee. It was a weird setup. The second one was an employee, lasted three months. And what I learned from that and what I applied with future hiring is, would I be willing to take them for a beer and a burger at lunch and sit down and chat, not just about work, but about how's your life, what's going on, how are things would I be willing to do that with the person? And when I put that lens on um, the hiring perspective, what it did was it made sure that the person that was we were interviewing wasn't just filling a purely technical role. They were also filling that role that they would be able to interface, not just with me and the team, but with the people that they were dealing with, the clients that they were dealing with. You were getting somebody that had a personality that had that skill set, um, which I know in some cases in the IT world sometimes is a bit hard to balance, but what it really did was it created a baseline of you're not just a warm body filling a role. Um, the barbecue came up where I read an article earlier this year, um, the CEO of 800 got junk fired his staff and he basically, to paraphrase the article, was rehired everybody and went, would I be willing to take them to a family barbecue? So if he invited his entire office to a family barbecue, would they embarrass him? Would they be social? Would they be able to hold their own? And that's really one of the fits that I look for in somebody is, can they hold their own? Can they deal with people? Do they get absolutely awkward when they're dealing with um, 
execs or they can't deal with people in suits in big offices how how do they react to that and that's just that served me so well hiring that department building up the department of eight when we started really um heading down that mission put here cultural fit can't be coached technical skills can hire for fit first and you know one of the things that that still sticks out is the um I think it was service delivery when I had Paul. And I think Todd, were you here with Paul too that day? Uh, where, where we were talking about uh, service delivery and, and Paul said, uh, we are a customer service company. We're not an IT company. We're a customer service company that happens to do IT. So he wants to hire people with good people skills. And if that means that they don't understand how to you know, set something up on Office 365, like uh, Azure AD, then, you know, put them as an L1 and train them. But he would rather have people that are just great with people. And I, I think that's so important um, for any business owner, regardless of what type of company you're running. You, you need to have people that, one, are, are going to be able to be friendly. Uh, two, are going to be able to speak in a way that your customer understands and appreciates. Uh, and three isn't going to get you in hot water. <laughs> that's that's the worst is when your employee screws something up. <laughs> I, you know, I only have one employee speaking of screw up. And, you know, things will happen. Nothing bad has happened, but like maybe a miscommunication. And actually, I always take the blame for it purposely, even if it was something wrong he did. I will always say I miscommunicated. I told him to do this wrong because I don't want that client. If I say, oh, why, you know, right in front of him, throw him under the bus, say, yes, it was his fault. Then that client's going to have a bad taste in their mouth about that person, about him going. So do you know what I'm saying? I'll just, I'll take the blame because they still have to deal with me no matter if he's mm -hmm. still working there or not. Now, so, I, you know, I don't want to. You know, they're like, oh, he's sending him. Last time he knowingly screwed up where, you know, they'll say, okay, Errol took the, Errol screwed up, but that's okay. We'll, we'll have my guy go there. Is, is a way, Errol, to paraphrase that, if there is an issue with the employee, deal with the employee in private as Pray, opposed to private in public as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I don't remember the second half of that, but it's, oh, yeah. it's supposed to rhyme or something. <laughs> but you always, you always praise in public and. Yeah. Uh, re redirect, retrain, whatever, privately. That way you're not embarrassing them. Yeah. So um, when, it, when it comes to hiring people, I mean, you could hire 20 guys, but if they don't know the way you want things done, you're just going to create more chaos for yourself and your customers. So do you, do you guys do some type of training? I think I want to have Shiva start on this. Do you guys do some type of training where you educate your employees? Here's how I want tickets to be done. Here's how I want you to handle your time on a daily basis. Here's how I expect you to address the owners, everything. So the first thing we do is coach our clients on how to interact with I'm sorry, coach our new prospect hires with how to interact with our clients because as I think it was Todd said, this is a customer service business. 
you can be the best at tech, IT, or what have you, but if you don't have the customer service side nailed, just close up shop and go do something else. Um, so we spent about a week or two really trying to teach them how to deal with the clients. And then after that, we lay out our business processes of how we actually service these clients. Now, in the sense of my break fix, you know, if you wanted us to do your break fix work, you committed to having one of my guys on site 32 to 40 hours a week that we build you for, and they were your quarterback. So it's pseudo managed, but not really. As of June of this year, we decided, okay, let's get into the managed services game, get an RMM, this, that, set it up. And up until last week, we were operating without documentation or formalized documentation. We had a Dropbox folder that everyone had, and you know there was a document or a spreadsheet outlining what they should do or could do. And we took the plunge and went for uh, a documentation platform. And we're currently building that out. The key, the most important thing to building that out is putting in our procedures and policies of how we do business. Once we can square that away, then we will start to document our client issues and what have you. I have a question regarding that. Sure. Do you, do your techs support every client or are they client specific only? On the previous break fix side, they are client specific. So they right. are- I would wonder how premise. you got through with no documentation on that. They're on premise for the clients okay. and um, what we did to make life easier for us and accountability, they had an email address at uh, the client that automatically forwarded to their uh, email address at my company. But the only way for that to work was for them to be there and have some form of continuity with the client. And that's different now or the same under managed services? So managed is very different. We I had nine technicians before, three left and I seeded a new company, which is a, a only a break fix company. And they're following the same premise of a person on site. And it works out well for us because our margin is probably 65%. We charge 300 an hour. The tech's fully laden cost is about 95 to $100 an hour. Company walks away with 200 bucks. Net, I'm talking, that's our EBITDA. Nothing else comes out of that other than taxes. On the managed side, I took six of the techs over and the admin, and we're running, uh, I guess, how most other MSPs should run or do run. And they're in a single location. Tickets come in. Uh, all of my technicians are level two and level three. I never bothered to go level one because that just creates noise I didn't want to deal with. And the big thing for me is to create efficiency and continuity for my clients. So if they can have a resolution on first touch or have the same person follow up and know the context of the issue, then that's a win for me. And I know people will say, well, if you document correctly, that's a non-issue, but there's a certain learning curve with any issue a client brings up. And if you can get resolution quickly with the same person, they tend to be happier in my experience. But listen, I don't have this all figured out, right? I've only been doing managed for four or five months. Okay. <clears throat> Excellent. And so Correct, Todd, Todd. Todd said uh, manage SLAs and first touch resolution. And I'd say that's very important, and that's a good reason to not have uh, a, an L1 type of employee. 
Sure. So if I may, um, we currently have, uh, if I break out my manage versus my break fix, probably about 1,200, maybe 1,300 users. Total, we have close to 5,000 between break fix and manage. On the manage side, we average maybe two to three tickets per user a month. Average resolution time, not response time, is four to six minutes. So Are you able I to consider that a, in four to six pretty, a pretty good. Uh, you just have a really metric. stupid end users. Now, I pay very well. No, I pay very well. I treat my people very well, and I expect the best. I'm not looking for good when I hire. I can hire good, but we'll make you better. And if you're not ready to deal with tickets, you don't get put on the floor. You, you keep, we keep training you until we think you're ready to get there. However, most of my people have been with me for 12, 15 years. So we understand each other very, very well. And the problem I'm going to have shortly is that two of my guys are leaving at the end of this year and I have to replace one of them. So it's going to be interesting breaking in someone new after my last hire was maybe five or six years ago. We, when I made the switch from break fix to managed, I made the commitment that because I changed my business model, I will not fire people because we're underutilized. I'm at a point right now where we will have Vortex managing about 1,200 people. I think I should have at least one more as a catch-all. And then we're going to go to a shift system. Currently, we offer support from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. And I want to run three shifts starting at 6 a.m., ending at 8 p.m., gapping me two hours on either end to clean up the day's work or clean up stuff from the day before. I don't want my guys over leveraged because then productivity drops, happiness drops, and profit drops. Working late, starting early one more. No, we can. We no, well, we'll stagger. So we'll probably do six to two, then twelve to six, and uh, or eleven to six, and then maybe I don't know twelve to eight or something like that. Or four times we'll gap in the middle. That. We'll have. Have you considered um, three twelve-hour shifts per person or four ten-hour shifts? I w I would never do that. I know some I've done like that. It is why um, you lose. They like it because they they get the time and a half. Oh, see, but and I I rather I have happy more people. Or less meant. I want people if someone's only working three days of 12 hours a day, they're, they're only working 36 hours. I see, but the way we're set up is if you work more than eight hours a day, oh. regardless of your load for the week, we give you time. Because I know I'd be happy having four hours. days off every week. That's, that's the, my mentality. Right, but then I think you lose focus on your job if you're off for four days. <laughs> yeah, but I need to be happy too. We all need to be happy. Um, I just made the decision early on that I want my guys to have solid 40 hours a week. If if they have to work overtime, we either do a profit share of the job if it's a project or 
they get time and a half or double cool. time depending on what it so, is. So I would say that you you've got a lot of processes in place. You 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 seem very fair as a business owner. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure at the end of the day, you want to be like so rich that you can swim through your gold coins like Duck McScrooge. However, you want your employees to also be Duck McScrooge. Well, you know, the biggest problem in being a small business owner, I think with your employees is envy, right? You're always going to have that employee that says, we do all the work and he reaps all the benefits. So if you spread the wealth around, then yeah, you can mitigate some of that. But I also came from the financial industry. And the easiest way to fix a problem in the finance world was to throw as many bodies as possible at it. So I understand the benefit of having resources employed or deployed, so to speak. Oh, sorry, please. So, Jose, well, I was going to say an interesting scenario on my end is I'm doing pretty much everything MSP except for because I'm using a Terra and plan on switching to LabTech, my PSA is lacking. However, the clients, new clients are still coming in and any break fix are still converting. So I'm wondering, switching to something like Kaseya or LabTech, should I be planning on, I mean, the way I'm running now, I could hire someone or maybe is the, is the PSA software going to be my new hire? You know what I'm so, kind of saying? I'll tell you what I did. I made the switch in uh, June, or I made the decision in June. I went with Enable and MSP Manager. By August, I said MSP Manager is lacking, so I converted to ConnectWise Manage. Then I realized that to truly get the benefit of ConnectWise Manage, I needed lab tech to have the workflows, automation triggers, and everything else that goes along with having those two managed. I went out, and it's an open secret. I use Comprehensive MSP, uh, Brian Kelly over there. And he takes care of all of my scripting needs, all of my automation. My, it's basically managed ConnectWise stack. And the reason I went that way is because at the time I had 250-ish users under management with Enable. I didn't want to lose time dealing with the learning curve. I wanted someone to put something in place where I can hit the ground running. And as a work in progress, we can go and tweak and create and do what we needed to do. We started off with two boards, now we have nine. But you know, that's because of the processes I wanted in place or I think should be in place. And Brian over at Comprehensive advised as his years in the business. My advice to you, suggestion, however you wanna take it is, invest in yourself now when you have fewer clients, that way you're setting yourself up for scalability. You know, everyone talks about growth, but how scalable are you? Can you have 200 users dropped in your lap and you can deploy and have them under management within a couple days? Can you? 100? Under 200, I mean. I don't know. I don't, know, I don't know about 200, but I could say he's 100. So, if you're not doing hardware as a service, the answer to that, if you have a decent RMM PSA combination is 
the size doesn't matter as long as they have an active directory and you can put one agent somewhere in there right they should be deployed within a day or two and the time frame is really dependent on having computers switched on yeah i mean automation is the name of the game for us automate or die or automate or go bankrupt so i strongly implore you to go and find a actual PSA that you like and an RMM tool. Atera is... Atera's been good for the remote monitoring and alerting. It's been okay for that. And once I the PSA was kind of... I was like, I don't right, think Atera is anything. I think it's a waste of time, effort, and money, <laughs> quite honestly. Well, I left Pulseway because of the whole Kapersky thing. I was kind of predicting that already a year ago. And then I went Listen. to Atera because it was quick, and now I'm ready for... You know the final one, which I, I left. I left Enable. It's a fantastic product. It just, it could not take me to where I want to be. The way I wanted to get there. Uh, top two, Kaseya LabTech. Stay within their stack. So if you're going Kaseya, go full Kaseya. If you're going LabTech, go full LabTech. I would put Enable shortly thereafter, and I probably wouldn't waste my time with anything else. Well, we're already connect-wise, so that leans me one way more than the I'm other. sorry? We're already screen connect, so, you know, that kind of leans me. You know, that's bias, right? I think trial the product, see what it is, talk to people who use it. Uh, just because you use well, their you remote are. platform shouldn't pre-qualify them as having an edge. It's For not. Terra, it does because the splash top is garbage. So <laughs> we left that instantly. You know, Errol, between you and Shiva, I'm not making many friends over at Atero and Splash Shop. <laughs> Why would you want oh, to? Oh, come on. Be nice. Hey, I use the product. It's good. But the scalability but, is just but, not okay, there. Okay, so here's, here's my question to you. Do you want to be good? Right. You the scalability is not there. Yeah. So It's not scalable. Do you want to be good? Do you want to be Edward Technologies, the good IT provider? Or do you want to be Edward Technologies, the great IT provider? Correct. You want to be the great one. So then you can't use good tools. I want to kind of flip it, flips around. Um, Todd said, you'll need someone to own the PSA. And that was in response to Errol saying, you know, do I want, do I want this to be uh, my new employee, this RMM, or do I want to hire someone? Um, and, and Todd's right. You know, you, you will want someone that's, that's, consistently managing and doing continuous improvements and updates and refining and everything else on your PSA, your RMM. There's even little things that can be done on Screen Connect to make it operate better. Um, you can outsource the management of these tools. And I think, um, I think that would make things a lot easier for you and your internal resources. Now you just say, uh, for example, with LabTech, and ConnectWise, Shiva just put a link in the chat to ComprehensiveMSP.com. And full disclosure, I get nothing for referring him. I think he has done very well by me. There's nothing wrong with so that. And if, the least if I can do is give If you're so happy with a service, you want to scream from the rooftops. I mean, that says a lot about a service provider right there. And the fact that there's a service provider out there that uh, you, you can you can just kind of throw money at the situation and almost make it go away. Um, hmm. 
Here's the best part about him. He runs his Why business on on uh, connect on the full ConnectWise stack. There are consultants out there that do this type of work, and they don't have their hmm. own uh, lab or whatever you want to call it. You got to drink true. your Kool Aid if you're going to sell so, it. So, um, let's let's kind of switch it around to 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 kind of move away from employees. Let's move away from PSAs and RMMs because we want to work on the business, not for the business. Let's let's talk about everyone's favorite thing, invoicing. Do you guys have a policy or something in place where you've got uh, anytime someone signs a managed services agreement, they fill out an ACH or credit card form and you, you send them their invoice, but it's marked paid because you've already charged them. Yeah, nothing but that. It's, I mean, unless you're selling separate hardware or something. Yeah. Ian, how about Automatic you? Automatic or forget it. <laughs> ATH isn't as clean cut in Canada, um, different model. We actually, for most of our business clients, we bill them on day one of the month that the services are for due on day 15 so well, my risk to exposure is your risk to exposure the is the full month um, because it's not like all of the stack that you're using is going to prorate yeah. all, all of the things that you're paying for to make this service happen for them oh, well, although being, actually being on continuum yes it will prorate um <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's, yeah, the risk of exposure is that. Um, however, a lot of that um, billable amount is also including the expected labor that's going to happen. Um, it it hasn't been an issue to date. Um, I also have avoided a couple of companies that have been possible. Um, yeah. Um, I'm just seeing Todd's note. Yeah, PAD can be set up in Canada. It's just certain banks and certain more administrative nightmare. Um, we do have on-file CCs for a few of our customers um, where they want to pay by credit card. We pre-charge that. So, yes, they do get the paid invoice. Um, but a few of our customers... Um, a lot of businesses in Canada don't like to pay by credit card simply because they want the multiple signatures on the check for compliance or whatever. Um, that's just something that we've seen quite often. And knocking on wood, it hasn't been an issue. Payment thing from file? Uh, we do ACH for the most part. We bill you and charge you on the 24th or the 26th of every month for the following month. Never bill in arrears. Uh, projects are billed up front. And this is because last year I had to walk away from about sixty dollars to $65,000 in invoices from a client because they wouldn't pay. Um, nonprofit, as most of my fixed clients are. Um, 
I could have spent, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars on legal fees to get paid sixty and netted twenty, but it wasn't worth the time and the hassle. So I decided with MSP, you build them up front. Uh, if they come on board in the middle of the month, we prorate that month for them. They pay it up front, and we build their uh, bank account on the twenty fourth or the twenty sixth for the first payment on file. And I don't think anyone likes the fees. I don't like the fees. Um, my clients, well, my clients are, are, in my opinion, larger. So 3% of those numbers could be someone's bonus at the end of the year. So I'd rather get the benefit of an ACH or a check. Uh, checks are just a hassle. Who wants to go to the bank anymore? Uh, there are a thousand ways to get paid now. So use something that's relatively cost-effective and immediate. I'll give you one from Canada, Shiva. Our checks that come in, we just take pictures with our phones and they go straight into the bank account. Uh, so some, in some banks York, have limitations. My bank has a limitation, limitation of $5,000 per day. So... I looked into it about two years ago, and they, it was maybe $1,000, and I just said, you know, it's not worth my time. Because if I'm billing all my clients on the same day, I'm going to be pulling my hair out and yelling, screaming, and cursing, probably. Yeah. Money. <laughs> it's what motivated me when I was at Goldman. I mean, my bonus is going to be better because I do X, Y, Z. I mean, realistically, if we're giving, if we're putting you in a position to have a good quality of life outside of the business, and you enjoy what you do, then. What else is left? Yeah, but, a financial you know, benefit? People have bad days or bad weeks or unless someone's grandma dies or wife leaves them or, you know, whatever. Oh, well, speaking of bereavement, there's no limit. There's a death in your family, a close friend, a friend of a friend, and you think you need to be there for someone, you get paid time off. Just tell us what it is and, you know, I don't care if you're out for three weeks, we'll pay you. But that's just how I operate my business. Um, fortunately, my guys don't take advantage of that. Shiva, I, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's got the Caribbean blues. <laughs> uh, yeah, listen, you got to treat people right, okay? It's not just about treating them right when they mm -hmm. need you to do it. You have to treat them right every day. And if you don't do that, you have far bigger now, problems. There's, there's three guys here that seem to disagree with you. Todd says money is a measure of value, not a motivator in itself. Um, which I, I think I can attest to that. Uh, Stafford says money only goes so far, in my opinion. Valuing the individual goes further. And then David says there are plenty of studies with fines that money isn't a significant motivator. You know, I'll tell you what. I'm not saying they're wrong, but I'm saying in my business that... 
everyone that works for me and I share a common goal. We know what we want to do. We know how we want to do it. We know why we want to do it. And money is the icing on the cake. Everyone can sit there and tell me that, you know, it doesn't motivate. It's this, it's <laughs> that. But, you know, happiness ain't paying your bills. I'm sorry. You know, it, it doesn't. And we give a typically a two to four week bonus end of the year to each employee. So if you create a good environment to work in, they're happy with what they're doing. They have the right tools to do their job and they are compensated very well. I think all those things coming together is what motivates your staff to do better. And if someone's in a rut, talk to them, find out what the problem is. If you can help do it. If they don't, if you can't help, try to get them the help they need. Give them a couple of days off, say, you know, take the next three days off. Don't worry. Your job is here when you come back. I have guys that took a month off because their wife gave birth to a kid with no complications, but they wanted to spend the first week with their kid. We'll make it work. It boils down to talking to the employee, knowing, knowing what's going on with them to an extent. Um, I don't want to play psychiatrist. I don't want to be the counselor, Um, but knowing what's going on and, um, working with them to modify things if need be to adapt. Um, Money's a balance. Compensation or offset is a balance as well. Um, Whether it's throwing a stipend on their paycheck to cover cell phone usage, or if they're a work from home employee going, okay, you've upped your internet package because of this, we'll throw you a nice offset and we'll cover that cost. Or it doesn't have to be bonus related, um, but knowing what's going on, working around their needs as well within reason. Um, and as long as you're fair about it and you communicate with them, I haven't had employees really abuse that. Um, it's just a matter of making sure that they they know that you're willing to be fair and respectful and just it's a two-way street of communication. I agree. You should always have an open door policy with your people. All right, Ian, Errol, and Shiva. And we're talking about back office management today. Um, how do you work on your business instead of for your business? Now Ian, I, I just got to ask. I'm going to ask the question I know everyone's thinking. Is that a hard hat hanging up on the shelf behind you? I cleaned and I found it. And I hung it because that's the only kind of hook-type post thing that I could put it there. No, I no, actually saw that over hat. my head and I was like, so, so I was going to ask, you know, is you wear that when you that... go on site for computer yeah, all... installation so you don't hurt your head under that desk? <laughs> wow. Depends on the customer. I've actually got a couple pairs of steel toe boots somewhere in here as well. Um, the That actually is left over from um, one project where we were working on and it was a new office build. And we were going in when it was still very much just concrete had been poured and two by fours up the railing type thing. So we had to have hard hats and steel toes. So 
I don't know, $5.99, $12.99, whatever. There's my hard hat. And apparently I wore the wrong color for what I was showing so up to are do. Are we talking because, $12.99 um, for your yeah, hard hat? Yeah, I've still I mean, got a hard hat. I guess I would, yeah. I would buy one that costs a little more because my noggin is important to me. I mean. <laughs> your head? Oh, you don't know. Price doesn't necessarily mean safety when it comes to helmets. I do. I, I own a uh, bicycle distribution company that sold imported and sold Italian-made helmets. And <laughs> so he does. All right, now shiv a hold What's on up? a second. So you, you have an MSP. You have a brake fix you, company. I do. You used to work. Where did you say Goldman and Sachs? And and you owned a a Goldman bicycle Sachs distribution and, uh, KKR company. KKR Private Equity. Oh, import export. Now we're now we're starting to get somewhere. Import export. That's what that's what all we the drug lords call it too. We supplied uh, <laughs> we supplied high end German handmade bicycle wheels cool. called lightweight to all the bicycle shops in the U.S. Okay, and Canada. So it let's so. see. Um, Errol, what kind of what kind of struggles are you running into right now? when it comes to running your business? Um, my latest struggle, because I switched to hardware as a service, was to find financing, but it wasn't a struggle. I just didn't know what to do. So literally the bank called me randomly and said, hey, we'll give you this loan for this amount. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess that kind of solves my problem there. Otherwise, I was turning to friends and families and credit cards for we financing use, uh, to support this. We use CIT. So that was, I know the uh, MSP world loves using Great America, but uh, really cool. CIT has done well by us over the last decade or so. Okay. But Todd wanted to know who holds your paper. That, you know, that's that's the, was the really the only struggle. The two projects coming up is voice over IP servicing and lab tech. So I'm sure there'll be uh, struggles with each of them to some sort. Hey, of I told you, thing. take uh, managed uh, connect with staff for me. <laughs> we'll take care of you. I will take that uh, advice. Ian, how about you? Are, are you having any struggles right now with managing a company? You, you know what? On that note, I'm going to hop on the train to, the, to Chicago. Hey, thanks, so for, thanks, thanks for, for stopping uh, in, man. I really on. appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, let's let's bounce it over to Ian. Do you have any struggles right now with uh, managing an IT company? Um, I'm gonna pin it on back office systems, and the one I'm gonna pick on because it's irritating the heck out of me. Um, is our quoting, invoicing, flow, service, um, sales order, XML, distribution, integration, cloud. How's that Thanks for a <laughs> widget? Basically, figured it all out. He just doesn't want to sound uh, overly confident and say he's figured it all out and doesn't I know how he's figured well, nothing. I haven't. <laughs> I know what you so, so about a year and a half ago, I was doing quoting for customers 
with a spreadsheet. And it was a nice spreadsheet. It had quantity description, part numbers, sell price extended, all that. And then it had a hidden area off to the side that I could see margins and all that. So I could build up a quote, do all that. But what I was finding was I was spending a lot of time hopping between distributors, who has stock, who has that. So surprise, surprise in our world, there's somebody that'll sell you a product that'll do anything. Um, QuoteWorks has, or um, ConnectWise has Quozel. I went with QuoteWorks. Um, I was frustrated with ConnectWise as a company at that point anyway. Um, it's very um, Microsoft Access feeling clunky, but it works. Um, but where I run into issues are um, different um, different products not being in stock, um, different distributors changing their XML backend, um, QuoteWorks providing an update that fixes something, but then it ends up breaking other things. And my gripe that this all boils down to is I'm doing a build for a customer and it's got a lot of products that require end user information go to distribution for the sale. So Microsoft, um, Meraki, um, VMware, things like that. And the challenge is because QuoteWorks isn't sending the XML data, um, I'm running into brick walls and it's failing me and it's failing that flow um, because I don't want to have to spend an hour ordering 10 items or 10 SKUs from Microsoft or 10 Microsoft SKUs from distribution. So, yeah, we can, Todd. So, so Todd um, said we can do XML can't do through distribution. To distribution yet. Um, sorry. To Ingram, to Data, and to Cinex. Um, the difficulty is. Um, with all these, and I'm starting to learn about how the distributors backends are configured. And I learned this most with Ingram, their backend systems are more horrible than the worst built MSP on the planet. Um, when I've spoken to the rep, oh, to get this price, sorry. <laughs> yeah. When I spoke to my rep, who's very straight up with me. Oh, to get you a price on this, I have to go to four different systems and get this and get that. If I put notes on an order to do a price modification, it puts all the notes in one string of text at the bottom, separated by double slashes instead of carriage returns. Um, it's just absolutely horrific um, for what I've understood they have to go through to process these orders. It's apparently a hugely manual process for just about everything going through there. So um, from my end, when it runs, um, it's a very clean process. Customer request quote, I send quote, they write back, they approve it, um, depending whether it's prepaid or terms, whichever is the case. Um, the item gets ordered through XML, ships, drop ship, blind ship to the customer, all's great generates a sales order in um, ConnectWise, or it gets attached to the ticket in ConnectWise, either way. When that item's closed, it generates an invoice, invoice paid. All nice and happy, but if anything hiccups down that process, it just starts to get a little bit kludgy, and um, it's just a frustration. I don't know if you're sensing a frustration. Oh, look, my mic was on that time. 
<laughs> All right. So um, I want to recap so far. Um, I know that, um, Shiva, you said pay your people well, take care of your people, uh, treat them well. Yes, treat them well um, is very important. And spread the wealth. Yeah, yeah. You you need Not to you need though. to have your own McScrooge. Um, so so okay. And then uh, Ian has said, um, he he has issues with ordering things with quote works because he's in Canada. That's that's my assumption. It's because he's Canadian. No, he, he has frozen there for slower up here. You know, and I'm sure Shev is going to say it would work if you were using Global. <laughs> I mean, do I have to say it now? But um, and uh, we learned that Canadians can use Ingram, Tech Data, and Synex for e-orders with XML. And if I had accounts with D and H, apparently I can do that as well. But I just never bothered to set up with them. It's not always a bad thing to have just more of an open-ended vacation, uh, time off, whatever policy, as long as you treat your people well and, and they can respect you. I, I, I think, you know, yes, that is true. Not really open-ended, but you have to understand that there are times in people's lives where they need you to give more than you usually would and whatever that giving is. And you have to give them the ability to recover from whatever it is they're dealing with. It's, it's very easy to put people on ACH or credit card billing up in, up in Canada. Uh, they have pre-authorized debit, but it sounds like there are some additional hoops to, to jump through in order to do that. Um, David is asking how people are billing. Um, I, I wanted to take a shot at this one. You know, we're in the MSP community, right? So everyone gets on their soapbox and says that um, MSP is the only way to be, blah, 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 blah. But you got to find what works for you, man. If you're a break fix guy and you can make it profitable, do it. If you want to do MSP, do it. If you want to do both, go for it. As far as the MSP side goes, bill per user. Um, I offer a combination of stacks. There's my top end, which I wish everyone would take, but I created a short stack, so to speak, because I wanted to go back to the prospects I lost because they weren't ready to pay X dollars for, you know, me to take over completely. So I gave them a stack at a good price that gave me huge margin and helps me to train them to be ready to go pay that full price later on short stack and now I want pancakes uh, moving on though how how do you guys determine your margin because it can't simply be um, I I have um, my RMM my antivirus this that yada 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 
I have all these tools and all my tools combined per user costs me $32.75 a month. Well, what I do is I calculate my margin based on tools deployed to the user. So I will do a weighted average per user of the firewall, this, that, and what, based on the number of users and the total outlay. So that's how I get to it. I don't include labor because you never know what you're going to spend labor-wise on something. Something goes terribly wrong, you may throw all of your resources there. All of a sudden, you go from X percent to X minus 200%. So I try to build at 70 75% based on tool cost. And that does not include something like ConnectWise Manage, where I, I look at that as people, an operating expense. Some people look at just the cost uh, of goods sold to come up with their margins. Other people think you should look at all of your operating expenses as well to figure out your margin. But I don't understand, like, how can I divide up my rent and my water bill into my into my managed services? You can do that. Well, no, hold on. That's fair. I think for your day-to-day -day business, you go cost of goods. But I think, you know, once a year when you do your taxes, you're going to know how profitable or not you were the year before. And that was your profit for that year. I don't think you can chop up your water rate, your 2.1356 tax that did X number for whatever. Um, you know, it's going to take you a couple of years of operating to figure out where you really sit. I go, try to go 70 to 80% tool cost. That's what I do. And we are at 160 a month. And I guarantee you, and I know this because I call my competitors all the time to see what they're offering. My stack offers much more than they do, and we're not even talking about the service side factor. So. That, that helps them figure out pricing and stack and that kind of stuff. And um, I think that I think they might charge like, I don't know, 400 a server and 100 a workstation, and it's all inclusive. There's not an hourly rate. Projects are all included. Every, everything is included. And that's what? That's not for me. That's not for me. I will give you clearly defined parameters of what is covered. I will give you a what I believe to be a fair price and tons of value because, you know, MSPs are all about, we're going to give you the value, but... Projects are projects. I mean, if there's major remediation going on, an MSP isn't set up to do that as part of daily business. That's why we call it projects, in my opinion, at least. I mean, Todd, I know you ran a uh, rather large MSP, and I'm curious what your thought on that is. There you go. And I forgot. See? You got the Canadians in agreement citizen. Ah, he was there for a whole yes, month. Yes, I am Canadian, eh? <laughs> yes, I am. Three. All right, actually. so I know another guy. Uh, he's been on here. US. He's mentioned his his pricing uh, several times. He does, uh, his average is $227 per user. Um, I think it's I think because it's, it's an 227. average. Why not 230? So some of them might be 215, others might be 265, okay. and somehow two, and it's and it might even be like 227 and 64 cents or what you know whatever like, um, 
anyway, so he says he he also includes projects, uh, and and everything is included. There's no hourly rate. However, he sets the expectation that they'll only do like, I think he said like five hours a month, in things that are above and beyond the typical MSA for managed services. So if someone wants to do a server implementation, um, I don't know, it's going to take, what, six months to, to install a new server? The warranty is going to be halfway expired when that server gets fully implemented with, with everything. But, um, but they didn't have to pay for the project. So I have a perfect example right now. I'm talking, speaking with a prospect. Another MSP is bidding them. And this other MSP is doing free work for them right now in hopes of getting the job. We went in a couple of days ago. They were deploying Sophos. They didn't know what the hell they were doing. If we go in or someone else goes in, they got to do it all over again. And these guys are going to offer free everything. They're part of a uh, nationwide consortium of MSPs. But if you don't know what you're doing or your people don't know what they're doing and you're giving it all for... 100 a workstation, 500 a server, you're never going to make money. It's just not going to happen. That, well, so it's unfortunate because I don't like to hear about any IT company failing. I, I want to hear, hear about my success the most, but I feel like, I feel like the, there's enough pie to go around, guys. I agree, but I also believe that these guys failing hurts us because Crazy. now that is one more bad thing about an MSP. By a car. You need to buy a car in certain instances. You don't need an MSP. We're, we're not a commodity. We like to think we are, and some people price themselves as a commodity, but... We're, we're not needed. We're competing against the break fix. We're also competing against the in-house IT. We're competing against the manager and the owner that think they could do it themselves. Or we have a so guy for that. I, I would argue yeah. almost that we are a commodity yeah. in that we're a generic thing to all of to to all of our customers. Um, and I would say I would say all of our customers for for the IT companies that don't go out. And, and show a true value. This is why you should work with me over everyone else instead of uh, he had the best price or whatever else. If customers have commoditized us. So here's... No, I think we've commoditized us. I think when you go and you start bidding on price, you're dead in the water. If you go to sell someone on the on needing an MSP, you're dead in the water. And I don't care if the guy down the block from me or whoever is on this webinar watching, don't sell MSP services. Sell business continuity. Send sell a vision of where you can take their business or some version of that because that's what they want to hear. That's what they want the end result to be. They don't care how you get there as long as you can get this from the working on the business point of view. We let's let's just say, for example, we want to put together a package of fully managed services. 
let's say the price is 150 a user, and let's say we're using the stack that makes insert person here happy. So for Shiva, that's going to be the full ConnectWise stack with Sophos, I believe. For me, that's going to be the Kaseya stack with Bitdefender. Uh, and, and some would say that's my flavor of the week, and that's that's fine. It's a little funny. Ian, that would be Continuum, and what are you using for AV? Okay. So, so I mean, obviously, we, we uh, all got our AV, tech, and, and, Weber, and as which Todd is said, the, the tech package. is the commodity. So how do we collectively work together and come up with our package? Let's, let's figure out a way to, to help all of us come up with a package that has a value proposition that, that proves to our potential customers that we are the ones that they need to work with. Do you want to take this one, uh, Ian, or do you want me to start? I I think the one I saw is um, Tom's comment. It's it's the positioning and it's the conversation with the customer. Um, we've grown by word of mouth. We've we haven't done the sales pitch. Our value is you don't need to worry about it. That's that's the value that we go and the conversation is never a tech conversation. The conversation is a you don't have to um, you don't have to stress about these things. Um, it's funny voice <laughs> to text dictation. Um, the <laughs> it our our best fit customers, in my opinion, are the ones where they basically have that mindset of I do what. That's really weird. I do what I do well. You do what you do well. And I'll just call you and it's taken care of. Um, lawyers, in my mind, have been a really good <laughs> fit for that model. Um, they're, okay, I can't watch this. Hang on. <laughs> lawyers, lawyers have been a really good fit in that model. Um, they very much go, we're good at arguing things and writing up stuff, but we just want stuff to work. Um, and we want it to work now when we need it. And they're billing crazy rates for that. So they, they want it up and running. And that's just how it's worked for us is the value and the perception to the client is, yep, it's just taken care of. It's just done. And in the odd case, something comes up where you're kind of going, yeah, it's a bit out of scope. But if I look at it and go in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to become a recurring item. It's not going to become a massive issue. You just kind of take care of it and deal with it while you're there. Um, and it's just that whole value thing. If it does lean towards becoming a recurring item or something like that, then it is a conversation. And generally when you position is that going, we're taking care of more, it's, it's not an issue. Not even a little. So does that kind <laughs> of in a circuitous way so, give some thoughts on that? I'm just teasing. So, so Ian, real quick. When, when now you I'm going to read what I, company, what I dictated. Um, no, go ahead. Sorry. When you sit down with a prospect, let's, let's say you've got your price, you got your proposal already ready. What, 
what do you say? So you sit down with with a, attorney Steve Taylor Esquire, and uh, what what do you say to me to to say why I need to work with you and only you? I don't say I ask. the The question gets flipped back to the client on. Okay, I've got to hide this again because you're going to keep typing. Um, the the question always gets flipped back to the client. What are your frustrations? What are your pain points? Um, what bothers you? What have you not been happy with? Um, it really depends on the conversation and the client and what's led to that point. What, one of the questions, and it's either a starting point or it's further down, is why are we in this room? What What's got us here to this point? And it's either a, I've just fired so-and-so, um, something's broken, we've just had massive growth, we were referred to you. What's, what's the crux of the point that, what got us here? And I use that as the leadoff point to steer the conversation or turn it into a, we'll take care of it and you don't have to worry about it. Um, but just just asking what's got us here lets them feel in control. People like talking about what's going on. Um, we're doing this. We've just had massive growth. We've done this. Um, so that that's kind of the conversation. I never start with a um, this could be the second a price. Third, I never I start with a pitch. I generally don't have a proposal at the first meeting. Um, this this could be the second or third, so it totally depends on what the client is. Um, got it. What the sort of um, how about you, Shiva? Point was that got us there. I tend to have a very standardized solution that, in my mind, right or wrong, is going to work for every single client and get them in line and reduce their issues within three months. Ideally a month, but typically two to three months. Um, and you give them the option. Do you want the full stack? Do you want half the stack? <laughs> Do you want to go a la carte? A la carte is priced so high, they might as well go full stack. And uh, it's about standardizing everyone so you know what you're troubleshooting. And that'll get you to a point where you have the confidence in your stack so that when you go into them, you can explain where they and their business will be in four, eight, 12 weeks from when they sign and fund that MSA. It's a vision. That's what you're selling. If you can't sell that, you're not selling anyone successfully in my, in my opinion. One of the other ones that's actually worked um, well, I'm just going to kind of parallel and tangent. Um, one of our clients is a, I don't know how to describe them. There's the massive um, investment companies, um, investment management companies, and you don't actually deal with them. Every person you deal with is an independent licensed franchisee, I guess, almost of the investment company so they have compliance regulations that they have to follow and one of our best advocates on that that's 
actually pushing them from the um, ad hoc break fix um, super light stack into the managed portfolio um, is their internal IT auditor going, if you have a break fix model where you're paying per call and you're paying per this and you're paying per that, they've actually found that their clients are reluctant to fork over the cash because it's an expense they weren't expecting. Whereas if it's managed in flat fee or an all you can eat or whatever you want to call it, um, it's something that they budgeted for and they're expecting kind of essentially a salary or a position in their company. And with that, um, this internal um, auditor who's kind of on the IT audit side has basically been pushing them to that going, then if you've got problems, you actually fix them. You've got somebody looking out for you. You've got somebody watching stuff for you. Um, so sometimes it's not necessarily you creating the value or you pushing the sale of something. It's let the trusted third party that in this case, they have to listen to sell it for you. Huh. And you're the good guy that like you the help guy. them with the problem that they're required to do the good guy is good. Um, yes, the good guy is good. <clears throat> All right, so <laughs> Errol says, get ready for some sticker shock. And, you know, knowing Errol, I actually believe that. <laughs> and, the, and the reason I say that, not to pick on Errol, but I, I think he and I both, both uh, try to have a, a sense of humor. Which, um, you know, we just try to lighten the mood. I like to lighten the mood when I sit down with a company. Uh, I want to feel them out. And obviously, if, if, uh, if they're, you know, cracking little jokes here and there, then, then I might try and stay something like get ready for some sticker shot. Um, Shiva says he has no sense of humor when it comes to finances. Um, yep. and, and, you know, I think I have a sense of humor with everything. Uh, sometimes with things I probably just shouldn't. Um, but I also think it's important for you to be yourself. Don't go into a meeting with a prospect, wear a suit and tie, and be Mr. Professional, have answers for everything. And then, you know, day one of implementation, you're wearing shorts and flip-flops and cracking jokes and you know, whatever, like you, you can't, you should go in there being yourself. He's like, Oh no, you didn't. I think in, I was looking for my finger on the camp on the screen. Um, in that sense, I think most, uh, prospects can see that coming a mile away. These guys aren't stupid. Clearly they have some kind of, uh, mental acumen that got them to where they are, where they can afford to spend thousands, X thousands of dollars on us. Um, they can smell the BS a mile away. I uh, pitched a client this morning. Our first meeting was yesterday morning at 6 a.m. at their offices. Our second meeting was 5 a.m. this morning at uh, their home. They live about four miles away from me. Massive construction company in the New York, New Jersey area. Uh, probably paved every road I drive on on a daily basis. Uh, I think they called me out just to see if I would show up for the meetings. At what their time schedule. was the first meeting? And 6 a.m. yesterday and 5 a.m. this morning. 
And I think it was really, they wanted to see the level of commitment they could expect. And so I think people have to be very aware. I did go at 5 a.m. I think people have to be very aware that just as we vet our clients and try to test them, oh, absolutely, they will do the same thing to us. And they Good signed this morning, by the way. And that was at $350 a user. Two hundred. No, it's uh, one sixty user for about one hundred and fifty, and then uh, they have another hundred or so that just have cell phones. So we'll do MDM. So I, I feel like I need to have a webinar just on MDM alone, because let me tell you, I feel like there's not much M for my M's. That's confusing. <laughs> I think uh, the MDM solutions that I really like are okay. Intune and Mass360. You want something pretty but very effective, go with JAMF, J-A-M-F. Um, Sophos has a MDM solution that we are learning. We don't know it very well. Uh, so maybe in two or three months, we'll start rolling that out as it gives us scale with our Sophos licensing pricing. Um, Ian, Sheva, I want to ask, do you guys have any uh Last words of wisdom you want to share with the fine folks here? Um, if you're going to sell it, use it. Because if you don't use it and you don't understand it, you will not sell it. Very good. Very good thing. Um, Ian. Be yourself. Um, don't sugarcoat. Don't stretch stuff. Um, just be what you are, which is kind of the drink your own Kool-Aid and know what you're doing. And yeah, the customer can smell it a mile away. So just be straight up with them. And if you don't know something, don't make up an answer because they may know the answer already. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. Um, and, and here's a little metaphor for you guys. Your prospects aren't dogs, so don't do that game where you guys stare at each other to see who looks away first. You you need to you need to treat your your prospects, your customers, your employees with the level of respect that you expect them to treat you with. Um, I th I think that goes a lot that goes a long way. That's actually a clause. That's actually a written clause to that effect in our master service agreement from our clients. Treat us the way you want to be treated. To an extent, yeah. There's a couple other lines so does, there, but does that mean if they start yeah. screaming at you and calling you names, you do it back to them? That doesn't really. That really doesn't happen in Canada. We can no. do that. Yeah. No, I'm really, we. I'm really first. sorry about this. <laughs> The, I'll, give, I'll give you a short 30 second, um, had a contract where it was, I was actually there and um, contract, not employee role. And the owner figured the best way to solve everything was just by screaming and yelling and demanding. So that was the lesson learned um, where we are, our work safe WCB um, employee safety organization has bullying and employee harassment as part of their 
program and regulations now. So we basically put that in the contracts going, you will respect our staff the same level you respect the employees respectfully. And this safe work environment applies to contractors in that environment. Um, and it's a way that if push comes to shove, it's essentially a breach of contract if they don't do that, if we back out, but there's still costs involved. Um, haven't had to do it, don't want to do it, don't even want to go near it. But as I'm going through a contract when a client's signing and I kind of do the high levels, I put that in there and just, it's a five words of respectful environment and they kind of look at it and they go, okay, and they get it. So it's just, it's a, it's an awareness that our people are people too. They're not just your lackeys and it's not just a, oh, they're just the contractor or they're just the whatever, or they're just this. It's they're humans and they're employees of something Excellent. as well. Um, I actually uh, have, have an, an unfortunate story for you guys related to that. Um, I have, I had a client that uh, treated me very disrespectfully uh, to the point where they kept calling me the N-word. And I, I didn't take to that too well. So uh, I, I made like a Southern slave in the 1800s and got the hell out of there. Uh, I escaped and, and haven't looked back. And I have, I have not done any work for them since. And um, I, I, I just don't see any reason for, for any customer to, to treat you that way. And I, I just want to say, uh, I actually felt like, I don't even know how I felt. I almost felt like I had no power to get the hell out of there, like I should have. So I dealt with it for a while. <clears throat> and uh never and and i eventually just became jaded and and i got out of there the wrong way by just stopping work and avoiding them instead of just saying we're done so the the first time you fire a customer don't apply for a bid reject their request for proposal makes you feel sick in your stomach but after you've done it you're but you know it's, but it's it's one of those like i almost felt like like i'm the asshole and i'm and i'm sorry i'm going to use adult language right now because we're all adults here i don't care i almost felt like yeah, i'm the asshole okay this is my show i'll say whatever i want because I haven't yeah, said the other one. 17 rating on there. <laughs> oh, put Elizabeth Berkeley in a uh, Versace dress. Uh, if you know where that's from, you get so, 10 points. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a very important thing to keep in mind, guys. If you have a customer that is not treating you well, then you need to actually sit down. With, don't, don't avoid it because you're going to make it worse. You need to sit down with them and have a conversation. And if yeah. that means you guys need to go your separate ways because they are not going to change, then so be it. Even if you need the money, don't be that guy. And that's something I learned the hard way. So 
what I have to say on all of that is uh, surround yourself with people who enrich your life emotionally and in every other way possible. Mm -hmm. um, clients are just like your friends. You get to choose who they are. Just because they're paying you doesn't mean they have a right to say those things or to be in or to remain in your completely. orbit. That's just my two cents. Clients or staff, to your extent. Everyone. Now, everyone. on, on a completely different topic, um, there has been one, there's, a, there's only one time I've ever screwed up, okay, guys? And, um, <clears throat> screw up. Uh, there's, there's only one time I've ever screwed up, and that was um, I, I recently just fired a customer because they hadn't paid me for, I think we're at five invoices. And it wasn't much. It was, uh, it was four computers, um, and it was just like the security stack, so there's no labor or anything included. And um, they kept saying they weren't getting the emails. I would, I would hit the send email button in, in my tool. I used, I used Connect Booster. So uh, they kept saying they weren't getting it. I kept saying I'm hitting send. Um, and then I, I sent them a let's, let's agree to disagree. Let's just, let's just not work together anymore. This isn't working out. This isn't a good fit. You know, whatever you need to say. Um, and then I went in Connect Booster, and, and I, I learned uh, with Connect Booster shortly after that how to check logs. And I learned that Connect Booster was not sending out emails to that particular client. They really weren't getting the invoices. I would... In a situation like that, you really need to do your homework. When a customer tells you something like that for three or four months, they're not uh, getting the communications for whatever reason because it doesn't hurt to double and triple check before you cut them loose. And realistically, have a backup payment solution in place where if they're not getting those emails, maybe you can send it from Stripe, Square, uh, Authorize.net, or what have you. Yeah. Clients and, are and just valuable. because they're they paying are. me forty dollars a month and not four thousand dollars a month, doesn't mean I was I I wasn't sad to see them go. Exactly. Can't get to four thousand without forty. Um, and Stafford said, "Own up on any omissions or errors on your part that shows integrity." And uh, I I agree with that completely. I used to be back when I started my business. I used to find something anything to blame so that way i wasn't at fault and then i i quickly learned you know what this just makes me look like an idiot and i wasn't even a year into my business when i started owning up on on things that i i because they weren't mistakes though okay i i would own up on things that weren't mistakes because obviously i don't make mistakes remember um <laughs> but no you're you're absolutely right stafford it is so important to own up on that stuff and it's 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 mm -hmm. own up before it's an issue don't so i had one yesterday don't own phone phone right person. where it was it was just do it on the phone or in person <laughs> don't do it in writing your lawyer's gonna hate Fair you enough. i had a simple shipping one yesterday something was supposed to arrive today I found out yesterday that it probably wasn't going to make it there. 
before the customer is sitting there today waiting for it, they had an email yesterday going, heads up, here's the information I've got, here's what I think is happening, here's the probability. So then it's not a matter of them sitting today going, you said it was going to be there. They know before to expect. Turns out it actually did make it on the truck and it's been misrouted to our office, but at least it's in the city today and I can still get it to them today. So long story short, tell them before mm -hmm. they get into a problem. And, and here's something your lawyer will love you for. If you have a conversation with a, with a customer or a prospect or whatever, um, in person or even on the phone, and let's say you're discussing something and you say, okay, these, these are my uh, next steps, these are your next steps or whatever, memorialize the conversation with an email. That way, that way you yep. can say, yep. hey, thanks 100%. for sitting down. Uh, this, this is what we talked about. These are the things that I'm going to do. These are the things that you agreed to do. Uh, let me know if you have any questions. I'll follow up with you in X days, weeks, whatever. What I do is I have a mini digital recorder. And if it's a face-to-face -face meeting, I ask them if it's okay to record, to memorialize a conversation, recap, or recount in an email. They say yes, great. If they say no, you put it away. And I you just try take notes. To remember everything. Or take um, notes because take I, notes. I work with a lot of older folks. And even, even when I do work with attorneys, that actually, they're like, hell no. <laughs> they don't want any records. <laughs> The benefit of our province is we're a single party recording notification. So all of my employees know, and it's in their, it's not in their contract, but it's in like the fine print terms and conditions that calls are recorded. So that's the single party disclosure. They're aware of that. If you want to call your wife, call on their cell phone. I don't care. Um, then it's not recorded, but customer calls are recorded, which also means vendor calls are recorded. Um, not from a, I want to rub it in your face. But I had it with a vendor where I did a phone order and they sent the wrong part twice. They wanted to stick me with it and, okay, here's the wave file, here's the recording, deal with it. I don't want to ever rub it in a customer's face, but I've got that there and it's a little bit of a comfort for me that if push comes to shove, it's hmm. in a way now, on the trail. Okay, I'm going to share this with you guys because it's funny. And I know this is going to go on YouTube, but it's going to be so worth it. Okay, stay with me. All right, so... Uh, Shiva or Ian or even anyone in chat, do you guys have um, experience with BlackBerry, um, the the server solution for Blackberries for enterprise to link up with Exchange? Yeah, BES. Thank you. Um, yeah, extensive. Back in the day, probably my experiences at so least. So back in my early twenties, before I was even dating my wife. I was dating another lady. And uh, did my wife know or the other lady? Did she know? Uh, sometimes. So, the other lady. <laughs> so uh, nothing was ever explained to me about, about our BES server, and I've been mortified ever since. Uh, she sent me some text messages, and I was told by another employee, uh, a coworker on the same level as me, uh, hey, you should really tell your girlfriend 
not to send you those kind of pictures. Can you? Could you actually see the pictures and the messages and all that that were being sent back and forth? Or was he just messing with me? Because because that, I, don't that I would say is something else that you should probably notify your customers of. <laughs> it depends. Was it an, was it an internal Bez server Internally or hosted a on, our, on our rack? We had we had a bunch of Dell servers and IT. I just didn't have access to to manage our own stuff. Okay, thank you. I'm going to just hope that that's the real answer as Errol laughs at me. But, I mean, I saw Todd has experience. (laughs) Or Ian. I don't know. Um, You guys probably answer that. So so that's another thing is, you know, when, when working on your company, have a computer use policy. Let them know what you have access to do. So that way they can they can make educated because we never had any of that. We were like it was this was uh, back when I was an employee somewhere for an MSP, not even an MSP, and they didn't have uh, non competes or any type of employment contracts. They didn't have computer use policies. So uh, when they let someone go, he took our largest client, which was my only client, because um, I was one of those break fix, just show up every week and do X number of hours for the client. So we don't have uh, yeah, non competes. But you me. also don't pay your people thirteen dollars and change and I will an hour. So, so. now, um, yeah. we I, you want to go? Go. Good luck. I mean, this may be cocky of me, but good luck or finding good luck a job where you'll be as happy as you are here. Realizing that it sucks. <laughs> So, so I'm going to ask you guys to to help me out here. We're going to play a game called Too Long Didn't Watch. Um, We're going to help recap everything we discussed. We're going to try and do it in under 10 minutes. So that way we can have a nice little clip talking about all the the highlights of our last, uh, gosh, hour and 40 minutes. Um, Do you have the transcript that you typed and I can just read what I said? Well, unfortunately, the transcript is only for that one little portion. So so I'll I'll say, you know, make sure that you ask. Don't don't tell. Don't dictate when you're trying to to sit down with a prospect and uh, get them to buy your stuff. Um, Shiva said that he has a standardized solution. Uh, Whether it's right or wrong, it's going to work for every single client. Um, it should resolve all their issues within the first couple of uh, months that they start working with them. Be ready to explain where their business is going to be in the next one, two, three months. So that way they have a vision when they sign that MSA. Should be. Should be. Because your MSA can say whatever it wants, but it should probably mm. say best effort. Um, and then we talked about uh, owning up to your to your own Mistakes. We talked about not letting clients treat you poorly, and and if you need to uh, fire the client. We talked about um, making sure you have the right tools you need today, so that way you can scale your business. Um, someone earlier mentioned that they they're using a Terra, and Shiva said, "Okay, so how easily can you onboard two hundred new users?" 
And he said, I could probably do 100. And, and that's, that's like kind of a scary feeling. Like you should know, like, all right, if I need to deploy my Kaseya to an 850 user company, I know I can do it. It's just going to work. And it's going to take care of ripping out the old RMM, the old uh, AV, everything, because I'm setting up scripts now to help me do that later on. Um, so, so set yourself up now while you're small, while you are slow, so that way you can um, scale effortlessly. Um, Shiva, can you recap anything else that you recall? Uh, it seems pretty complete. How about you? I mean, don't know. What else. How about you, Ian? Can you recall anything Pardon? else? From the whole thing. From the yes, whole hire thing, the right hire people. The right. Treat them well. If if you don't treat your people well, then you know they're going to hate you and they're going to quit. Um, and and don't hire someone just because they're the best tech because they could be the worst with. Uh, talking to your end users. Um, we are uh, customer service companies. We just happen to do IT. You need to, as Todd said, you, you need to hire someone that has a cultural fit. Technical skills can be trained. Uh, make sure you have an employee handbook, training, a way to onboard your, 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 your company. Jeez. Uh, a way to onboard your employees because you're only going to set them up for failure if you don't show them, here's how we do things in this business. Um, I know Shiva said he doesn't even have L1 people. He only has L2, L3. That way he can do uh, first touch resolution, most of his tickets. Did, oh, am I? No, no, you, you always do it. You Tell never fail. Yeah. <laughs> So 70% of the we never time, fail sometimes. we fail 0% of the time. 100% of the time. Um, yes. Documentation is key. Get a platform, whether it's Glue, Boost, I don't care Confluence, whoever, whatever. Microsoft um, Word. As long as you come up, as long as you come up with a solution no, for documentation. Not, not, no, that's not documentation to scale with. Um, go with something purpose built, in my opinion. Sure. You know, create something on SharePoint that can do it for you. Um, there you go. Todd just posted a link there for documentation systems. Thanks, Todd. Um, you know, Todd. Todd that. has some fantastic resources, uh, and he he's not even one of the guests today. But I I just want to uh, to brag about him for a moment because he has been really helpful. Um, evolved, E-V-O-L-V-E-D, M-G-M-T dot com. Uh, go check it out because he has a ton of resources available. He's got a great blog. And if you need somebody to help you learn how to better run an MSP, he's, he's there to do it for you. Um, I, I would say IT that oh, sorry, I ahead. love IT Glue, the product. I despise IT glue salespeople. They are. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I dumped IT glue twice. No, I absolutely 
IT glue sales is why I chose to go with another documentation provider. They're cocky. They think a takeaway close will work, and then they come back with their tail between their legs, and then they insult insult you. That has been my experience. However, if you can get around their sales people, which I don't know how you can do you that. You can just buy online. The you product is so a much. fantastic product. Long- well, maybe that was the problem, right? Was asking <laughs> for human well, interaction. Let me rephrase. But, you uh, can buy online if you don't want to ask for a discount. <laughs> I didn't ask for a discount. I listen. I think you have to pay your vendors mm-hmm. because you want them to be there tomorrow and have the money to be there tomorrow, or six months down the line, or what have you. But if they offer a discount, they've got to offer a reasonable discount. Yeah, don't give, me, don't give me ten percent off a three-year contract, which adds up to what was it? I think one hundred and twenty bucks over three years. If that, I mean, come was, on. I remember your numbers were so pitiful. It was. It wasn't it's even worth entertaining it. And don't do that to your own prospects. I mean, offering someone 10% off to sign a three-year agreement. Like me, I I do month-to-month agreements. Um, I'm not trying to set my company up to to be sold anytime soon. But but I I don't don't want to work with someone if they don't want to work with me. Why, Why should I make someone feel stuck for three years? I'll tell you why, because it prepares them that you're going to build something of value and it's going to take time. Now, if they have legitimate um, concerns and qualms about how you do business with them, you need to sit with them specifically and evaluate, is it worth keeping them on board as a client if they're that unhappy? Um, If they're just being mean or rude for the shits and giggles, then yeah. Charge them a kill fee, get rid of them. But um, other than that, you have to be willing to bend, yeah. even if you do have a three-year contract. Well, uh, thank you, Ian, Shiva, Errol, who uh, is now on a train. Uh, thank you to the three of you for for coming on and and playing. Uh, this this has been fun. This has been educational. I I know I learned something with every one of these. Um, if uh, if any of you guys have any questions further about this, uh, feel free to hop into the MSP Webinars Slack group. Uh, you can go to slack.mspwebinars.com. You can get joined up into that, and uh, you know you can you can chat in general. You can chat with people privately, whatever you want to do. Uh, we have a Zoom room. You can go to zoom.us and you can join the room. 330-247-2471. And that is my company's uh, phone number. So I, I tried to make it easy for people. Um, I've also got a Patreon. So if you like the content, if you want to continue seeing great content like this, uh, please consider subscribing. You can do it for as little as a dollar a month. And um, there is bonus content available on the Patreon. That's I feel like that's where the the real value comes to the subscription is the extra content I provide. And finally, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, please like and subscribe so you can get notifications on future webinars. We try and do one or two of these every single week. Um, And then uh, next week, holy cow, is next really the week before Christmas? Wow. 
So we have one next week. Yes, it is. That's it. We have one on Tuesday, and that is going to be on project management. Um, I don't even know we what that is. We should have one on Boxing Day. Yeah, that's oh, right, American yeah, Stone. It's the day after Christmas. It's the day after Christmas. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> but uh, no, so so that's actually our last webinar for this year. And I'm already starting to plan webinars uh, for January and, and on. So if any of you know a vendor that wants to get in, um, I'm, I'm looking for vendors. Uh, my uh, consultant I for last second night was. I bet he would be an amazing person to have on. I think you can do something with ConnectWise. I, I am uh, working with ConnectWise. I'm going back and forth, trying to get some webinars set up. I'm also uh, tentatively have one scheduled for the middle of January for a Kaseya Tech Talk. And I've, I've also got some other pretty cool things up my sleeve. So thanks everyone for attending and I hope you enjoy your weekend and hopefully I'll see you all on Tuesday for project management. Take care guys. Thank you guys. Have a great weekend and happy holidays or Merry Christmas, whatever. Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today.